Welcome to Awards Radar, the podcast, a weekly discussion of the awards races, Hollywood news, and the films you should have on your radar. Here's your host, Joey Magidson. Hey, spooks and girls. Yeah, still October. Back on the Awards Radar podcast. As always, I'm Joey the Clown. No, that's Art the Clown. He'll get mad at me if I steal that. I'll just be Joey. And uh, Miles. Uh, Miles the Clown. <laughs> I couldn't think of a good one. I thought that yeah, would be funny. Well, okay, it's okay if I take it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone, someone's got it. Yeah. Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm here. There we go. And we killed Steve. Oh. What a twist. No, Steve is. Yeah. Steve, uh. Depending on when you how you hear this, Steve either couldn't make it or will be joining us later, or you didn't hear this because we recorded over this part. So, the magic of the movies. The magic of podcasts about the movies. This is true. Uh, first up, I'm going to reveal how our uh, poll did for our fake Saw movies, as I also turned the volume off on my phone. Um, believe it or not, Miles, it was a tie. Ah! Between all three of us. Imagine that. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know how we feel about this, that our, like, well-thought-out saw pitches by lovers of the franchise tied with someone burning it down, but, It just goes to show there's something about horror movie fans where they can never agree on what makes a good movie. Which we have seen... Yeah, we'll quickly transition. Which we saw at Halloween Ends. Not that I, I set that up. That was a little, that was a little I thing I did See? on the spot there. Well done. Um, because, you know, like it, love it, hate it, indifferent to it, whatever your take is on it, it's pretty clear that this one is not just a, a rehash of what's come before, which was to some degree that one of the complaints about kills. So it is, I always like when this happens. Not that it makes for a better or worse movie, but I like the conscious or subconscious decision by a filmmaker to be like oh you want different i'll show you different i mean sometimes you get the human centipede two out of that but you know that movie as i've long said is a 1000 percent depiction of um oh this is all the stuff you thought i did in my like horror but kind of tame horror movie last time I'll, i'll show you i can do all that stuff which better he didn't but still yeah, the first Human Centipede is kind of just like a goofy horror comedy with a gross concept, but like they don't yep. show anything you wouldn't want to see. And then the second one is like every all the horrible things exactly that you would see. All assume. the things you don't want to see. Yes. Yep. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I, I gave my thoughts on Halloween Ends last week and my reviews up on the site. Um, I'm pretty sure we all know what Steve thinks of it. Yeah. Um, Miles, you once again find yourself largely shrugging at, at this surprisingly divisive franchise. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Halloween's never been my main franchise. I love the original. I love three because of how different it is. And then every time they bring it back, I tend to like the first ones, like H2O and the 2018 film, or as I'm now seeing it called H4O, which, fine. Huh. Um, sure. Like those are probably those four are like the ones that I really respond to. And then everything else is very either whatever, fine or awful. Um, this one is somewhere in the middle, kind of similar to kills for me. Um, I think I probably give it a slight edge above kills just because it's it's trying something 
and I don't know yeah. that it's fully successful, but it's it's at least interesting. It's definitely not a boring movie. You are you are well, that's with the thing. It. You're you're spending the whole time going, really, really. That's what we're doing. You're spending the All whole right. time going. Am I supposed to remember Corey from another movie? Or that was the one thing that I don't know the the more elegant way of doing it, but. They do kind of shoehorn him in at the beginning, like, by the way, a new protagonist. Well, yeah, it's like there it's like five minutes in before anyone like I think the mom that he's babysitting for, like, name drops Michael Myers, and it's the first indication you've had since the movie started that this was that you were in the right theater. <laughs> I mean, full disclosure, at my press screening, someone leaned over during that and went, Is this Halloween? Yeah. Are they screening like the right got, movie? They, <laughs> like they missed the opening credits. Enough to what? Well, no, the credits come after. Yeah, no, the credits screen, come after. Like, yeah, he it, like something early on had determined. Okay, I'm I'm probably watching Halloween. They missed. Like they started with their first vision of the movie was Corey. Well, I was like, okay, and that'll be your vision for a lot of the movie because they have made a choice to completely folk. Well, not completely, but like eighty percent of the film focuses on this new character. Um, who's got his own sort of tragic backstory and has interesting relationships with both Laurie and Michael Myers. I mean, he's the Joker, essentially. In in some ways. Um, I, I feel kind of torn about it because I don't hate all the Corey stuff. I think there is a really interesting movie in there. I don't, yeah. I don't know that the actor is amazing, but he's definitely doing what he can with it. Um, he's big. He's going bigger than I would prefer for that character. Yeah, but and it, and it's also it's, it's that way. weird disconnect where it's like they kind of want to play him as a nerd, but also he kind of looks like a fashion model. So it's like you, so you don't play him you as don't a quite, sociopath. Yeah, you don't quite know how to. You can't pin him down quite. Um, yeah, he looks like he's bursting out of his nerdy outfit in the beginning. Yeah, a little bit. And then, like, they try and make him cool later on, and it's just, like, it's it's hard to get a read on him. Um, yeah. And I think this character, and we had discussed this off-air, that um, it would have played better if they had set him up in the earlier movies, even just as a background character, so that you get a bit more build-up, as opposed to, here's some rando that you've never seen before, now he is the main focus of the movie, and Laurie and Michael are glorified cameos. Yeah, like like he could, you could have had that the story of him being a baby babysitter killer in the second one, for example. Sure, like when the town is getting crazy. Well, I think personally, I think his story should have been filtered throughout it. You know, lose yeah. lose the crazy doctor from the first one, and like start sure. like start seeding in some of his stuff. You know, let it build up and build up. And then have all the mob riot stuff and kills happen in the third movie so that there's like an escalation and it sort of builds up to that point. Because right now there's this sort of weirdly disjointed trilogy where the theme seems to be about how like the town itself is evil or it's been cursed by evil and now everyone in it is cursed in some way or like the town. I don't know. It's very vague and it's very whatever the plot needs it to be. So like, Mm. you know. He'll get bullied by people who, you know, blame him for this tragic accident that was an accident. And, but then he decides to just become a serial killer anyway. Spoiler alert. Totally. Yeah. Uh, like, I would watch the Corey movie. I would definitely watch the David Gordon Green directed Corey movie. I just, I think if it was just the Corey movie, they also would have spent more time making you care about Corey. Because, like you said, by by not threading it through, a lot of the time where you're supposed to 
I guess be investing in him, you're you're like, wait, wait, Corey, Michael's gonna butcher Corey, right? No, okay, it's just Corey. <laughs> this is the Corey right. movie, and yeah, I agree. Yeah. If it was not called Halloween, if it was just a different movie about this character who has this experience, and you have a, a Michael Myers equivalent in there, I think that would be a really interesting movie, and I would like to see it. But because it's forced to sort of sit side by side with a Halloween movie. And not just any, but supposedly like the culmination of a saga or whatever. I mean, based on the title alone, the two things don't sit comfortably with each other. And the attempts to sort of thread them together feel kind of haphazard. Um, the worst of it being, and, you know, spoilers, you know, skip ahead if you want, still haven't seen the movie. Um, they just kill him off like 30 minutes before the end. So the movie's been all yeah. about him and now suddenly Michael Myers shows up out of nowhere and suddenly it's all about Laurie versus Michael. And the movie just doesn't build up to that at all, even though that's the only thing they showed in the advertising and on the posters. It's like, you know, might as well be Freddy yeah, versus Jason. Uh, they've leaned uh, away from Corey in the in the marketing. I think he's in maybe one or two shots of the trailer, like any yeah, trailer that they walking released. away from Laurie, I think one of those shots is in some of the, the trailers. Or, or like going in the sewer or something. Like, like yeah, he, some he's basic, played like a victim. Exactly. He's just he seems like one of the teens or whatever. But um, it's just really bizarre. And then you get this kind of rushed, awkward, like fight of like you know, oh, Laurie and Michael finally settling their differences. Even though Kills made a point of being like, oh, he doesn't actually care about Laurie. He was just trying to get home. Yeah. Um So. Which is it? And then it's like, you know, oh, the t- the town needs to heal. Let's turn him into mulch. <laughs> I mean, I, can't, I I did like that. They're like, we're going to put him in a press. Like, no, I mean, I th- listen, that was him. hilarious. And it does create a very interesting, you know, challenge if there's a future filmmaker who yeah. wants to make a new one, but not abandon this continuity. Yeah, I really appreciated that because I thought of you. I was like, I told you, I think you're going to like this kill at the end. It's, and also, listen, it's something. <laughs> it, it's it such a great idea. Like, definitive. I noticed that, yeah, like, um, because it happened in No Time to Die too. Like, if you got to kill a legendary character, you can't just like really shoot them in the head or stab them. You got to vaporize them. You got to have spoiler for a conversation a little bit later. You got to like Art the Clown show up to take care of this guy. Yeah, yeah, just like dissect and vivisect and just slice into little pieces, like you know, make it impossible for them to come back. Um, yeah, I, I I love a filmmaker being like ah challenge. If you wanna, if you wanna make this, figure that out. Yeah. Enjoy. Although I suspect that because listen, if you think this is actually gonna be the last Halloween film, then you know I get a set of rusty knives. I'd love to sell you. But yeah. um, I mean, it might be for a little bit. I think I think they'll I think sit gonna... on it for a bit, and I think it's totally possible that this is Jamie Lee Curtis's last one. Which I think is that's fair. very true. Um, I think what'll happen. I think it's. I, mean, I think I it's going to be a clean slate. Either they're going to do the same thing and just go back to basics, or they'll pick one of the three abandoned timelines and jump off from there, or just do another remake. There will be some other. Michael Myers will be on sc- on the big screen again. That's what I was saying. I think it will be. I don't know. If there'll be a Halloween movie for a little bit. Yeah, I do wonder if. As Blumhouse gets some more properties, maybe they have their like horror team up kind of thing eventually. Oh, God. I've always wanted a slasher cinematic universe. It's the only thing I want. I mean, I mean, you only have Freddy versus Jason, really. Well, yeah, which could have been the start which, of something great, but then just wasn't. Also should have been better and less racist. 
it it has one racist line, which is bad, but I love that movie. Which is one too many. It's one I mean, too many. Well, how many great old movies have racist lines in them? No, I I, I didn't do, mean. Do we want to get into the line, optics that's... of Mr. Quentin Tarantino? <laughs> no, no, no. It, it's just it sticks out so much like a sore thumb. No, it is. It's the worst line in the movie, and it's awful that it's there. But it's not like it's an undercurrent for the whole thing. No, no, no. It's just it's so out of place that you're like. Like, Nobody thought that didn't, that didn't, yeah. Like, Don't like that. That passed through a <laughs> lot of people meetings. All right. Well, the kids will love it. Fun fact. Um, was it, I guess it must've been last month. Uh, my local indie theater did a, um, like a late night screening of Freddy versus Jason, which is awesome. Nice. Cause I'd never seen it in theaters when it came out. And let me tell you, seeing that movie with a crowd, you don't realize how quite how funny it is until like every other line delivery is getting like raucous laughter from everyone huh. around you. Except that line. And that that line, but exactly, then it was heightened where that line came and everyone in the room was like, ooh, don't like that. Yep, I did. <laughs> Can you imagine if that was a test screening? Like, wow, we have the easiest note in history. Yeah. Please well, re-record that. Or just, like, take that one line out. <laughs> sure. Um, but yeah, they. I mean, what does Blumhouse have at the moment? They, got, they have what? Michael, they have... Well, the Exorcist. The, the, oh God! Well, I don't know what that would be. I know uh, Blum has been talking about he wants to get Friday the Thirteenth, and I'm sure he yeah, would turn down Nightmare on Elm Street if it became available. Totally. I mean, uh, Friday the Thirteenth is a legal thing. I think it's yeah, but I think weird... my understanding is that that has been either mostly resolved or is very close to being resolved because there's already rumblings that they might start to put together a new one. I mean, if he's going to be involved, I'm sure he's just waiting for them to be like it's. You can you can acquire it as opposed to we're selling it to you pending the outcome of right, whatever right. this is. Well, yeah, they're not in um, the court case for any reason other than to determine who gets to do the next one. Exactly. So I, I would imagine that will that will happen. And then they have I mean, they have their OG, their original properties. True. If they want to cycle those in, you know, could, uh, Michael versus Michael the Purge. <laughs> Michael versus Bagul. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Michael and the Purge would be like, this is great. No, no, you know what the better one is? Mm. Since they take place on Staten Island anyway? The Purge versus Art. Oh, God. There you go. You Art, Art would do well in the Purge. He'd be like, this is just Tuesday. Yeah. Sta- sta- standard like, operating procedure for him. Yeah, he'd be like, oh, everyone's getting... He might, he might be annoyed, actually. He'd be like... People getting in on my job. Like, this is my thing. This is what I do. Yeah. He's like, keeps trying to kill people. And then some rando in like a Statue of Liberty mask beats him to it. Or would he not kill? That, like, that, that would be day. his like, his day of solemn contemplation. <laughs> he he yeah, lets everyone else get it like, out and then he'll get back to it on Monday. He He's like providing uh, entertainment for people in the streets. Yeah, exactly. He's actually committing he to picked- the mime bit. Yeah, he picks up other people's severed heads. He doesn't do the severing. Exactly. People who haven't seen this movie are so puzzled. So Joey saw the two Terrifier films that I had seen the previous week. And exactly. they star Art I, the Clown. I, yes, Art the Clown is the, the new movie monster, the new slasher of the jour. Uh, well, and I have yeah, to I, say, I, like, really stands out, like... Can you think of somebody with that much personality that's jumped out like that since, like, the heydays of your Freddies and Jasons? Not really. I mean, Scream always has a different one. Well, and the Scream one um, is, like, it's a look, but because it's always a different person, it kind of, it, it can't craft a consistent identity. I mean, 
And you got like your wow. Chuckies, your Candymans, things like that. But like since the nineties, is has there been anyone? Th- I mean, I guess. I mean, he's not gonna gonna size up, but um, Wolf Creek. What's his face? Oh yeah, um, no, that's not. I mean, he's not. He's, he's, he's not pretty brutal. But, yeah, he's not super memorable. I'm, I'm not not even in terms you. of like efficient kills, but in terms of personality. Like Art the Clown oozes personality from the second he's on screen. Not just personality. Well, um, yeah. what's the? There's been a couple. Oh, um, the other one. The only other real like kind of slasher is um, the dude in the woods in like the swamp in, in New Orleans. They hatchet. They made. A oh, uh, Victor Crowley. Yeah, yeah, but even he's like very. I mean, he's not. He's very he's derivative just... of what's come before. He's doing more of the like Jason Leatherface. Well, he's yeah. He's he feels like an homage, whereas Art feels. He's closest to Freddy, but he's very much he's, doing his own thing. Yeah, because he doesn't talk, and and he uh, <laughs> Freddy Freddy is a little gentle compared to Art the Clown, quite. Um, but he's similar in the yeah. sense that he's a bit goofier, and he likes to toy with his victims before going in. Exactly. Um, so if you if you want to hear more about both of them, obviously, two weeks ago, last week, last week when we, when we brought it up, last week. But yeah, I, I I chime in. We're pretty much on the same page. The first one. It's real low budget. Like, I kind of mean it as a compliment, but it, it looks like a really good student film. And it's kind of acted as such. Oh, totally. Especially like the guy playing the janitor, like Mike or whatever his oh, name is. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah, that, he's got that feeling of like somebody's friend who was available. He has porn delivery, essentially. Yeah. Like, what? You want me to do what? Like, he, 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 doesn't, he doesn't understand direction or he's not getting any. Mm. But, you know, the central girls are fine. Um you're not you're not going for the acting outside no, of it's uh, brutally efficient outside of David Howard Thornton, who plays art, who is magnificent. Yes, he's doing he's doing a very, very hard performance. Yes, because like like you said, he's he's mine. Like he's completely silent. It's all done with like looks and and expression. He's also wearing a mask of sorts. So like, well, yeah, but it's one that's very are a big deal. It's very flexible. It's it's a great character design but he's also well, like has, his like a secondary mask right he has like a black thing under his his uh his like he has like a black skull cap under his uh under his little his, hat his, his <laughs> costume. yeah because he because he's got like there's like white face the white paint mm-hmm. on or a costume the black undergrab and then the the uh, what looks like caucasian like skin eventually you don't yeah. really see his face much kind of at the beginning in the first one is really the only time when he suits up right exactly style. Um, but yeah, the, the first one is mostly serious, I would say has, has it's like comic relief, but is, is mainly trying to scare you. It, it plays it pretty straight. Yeah. In the same way that like the first Friday, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, the second one, Terrifier 2 is like several Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Well, exactly. Like if you took all the lore that they introduced in two, three, and four, and you stuffed that into one movie and made it two and a half hours long, you got Terrifier 2. Exactly. It's, it's an endurance test. Like it's, it's, I, I I still, I'll review it in a couple days, just like have a review out there. I think I have to go thumbs up because it's very good at what it's doing, but it's also doing some other things it's not so good at. And I, I really wish they weren't. But, you know, it's I think there's also some leeway because, like you said, it's a brand new, like iconic horror villain. Like you get a little bit of latitude to design them as you see fit. Oh, totally. Well, and he's, you know, 
early days of a brand new slasher franchise. Like it can still go anywhere. Um, I, I agree. I think, you know, we're mostly on the same page about this. I think um, it's it, there's a lot of subplots and there's a lot of filler. Too many. Uh, there's two extended, very expensive looking dream sequences that you could have done without. There's there's a lot. But of, then there's also very cheap looking things at the same time. Exactly. So it's like there's a lot of stuff, but like the core art terrifier killing stuff is like as good as ever it's just that it's surrounded by a lot more i mean again i think i even said this last week the comparison i would make is the raid versus the raid 2 where the first one is very Very apt lean mean tight efficient version of what it's doing and the second one does that same stuff better than ever but it's also surrounded by a whole lot more plot than you really wanted Mm -hmm. Um, but what's, but terrifier the- 2 i would uh, just last thing is that you know individual quibbles i on balance i probably do like the first one better but what an achievement in terms of like an independent slasher sequel like you know crowdfunded you know went to theaters with no marketing campaign was only supposed to be there for a weekend and is now played for three weeks or something like that like it's it's kind of an amazing success story, and for that alone, I have to recommend it to people. Totally, top three kills in the franchise so far. Uh, well, there's the split. Yep, that one has to be on the list. Um, as we mentioned, Bone Tomahawk style. Yep. Um, but somehow a little worse. Yeah, I think a bit because to- Bone Tomahawk is like shocking, especially because there's been nothing in the movie even close to that. Uh, and a little but, clinical because they really go to town slow on him in that one. Yeah, but it's also very efficient and very just like it's like a clean snap almost. This one, there's a lot more sawing and he really takes his time with it. Yeah. Um. So I'd say that I'd say the friend in her bedroom in the second one where she yeah. he basically turns her into a puppet. Um. And then I'm open to whatever for the third. Yeah, that's um. I think I have to go with it's not so much the kill, but the aftermath. The other two you mentioned are on the top three when um, I guess spoiler. It's like if you haven't seen this movie and you don't know people die, I can't help you. But um, when a mother is killed, basically got shotgun blast from like an inch away, which uh, I yeah, mentioned this to you, rough. by the way, I don't I don't love that he shoots people. It just seems like not it seems like incongruous, but like the sharp objects he likes to do things with. Like he has a hand, a homemade like cat and nine tails. Like, yeah, it's that's weird to have gnarly. that and then several guns. Because every so often, if you're too close to him, he'll be like, I'm just about a gun to shoot you. Yeah, which I I like it in the first one because he really only does it the one time. And it's and like, it, is, they, it is shocking. It's, it's, it's a surprise because you see him with like, you know, knives and hammers and hatchets and all sorts of things like that. And you're like, okay, th- this is his modus operandi. But then he's like, you know, it looks like uh, the girl's about to get the drop on him or who, whatever. And he just pulls out a gun <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay. So he does pause for a second. Cause she's also like, wait, what the fuck? You have a gun? He's like, I do have a gun. <laughs> also, he doesn't talk, but it's that look of like, he didn't think I had a gun. But then um, I no, agree the that they one, lean a bit too yeah. hard into it in the second one. Because especially the one I'm talking about, like, it's basically he just, like, shotguns her in the face from, like, an inch away. And it didn't need to be that. He could have – he's mangled people's faces in these movies from that distance in much more creative ways. I mean, I appreciate um, still that, like, if he's going to kill you with the pistol, he's not just going to, you know, shoot you in the gut and walk away. He'll, like, you know, fuck up your face with, like, ten shots. <laughs> 
So, exactly. so in that and, regard, it's consistent with the knives and stuff. Oh yeah, and in the, so this this um, particular kill, she's shotgun in her face, and her face is mush. And he sets her up at the table to scare a kid, and like feeds the mangled would be face uh, mashed potatoes. Yeah, which is and there's something about mashed potatoes and mashed face, and you're like, oh, they kind of make the same sound. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 efficient and simple. Um, so yeah, we uh, we like them. They're not for everyone. They are, yeah, they're very sh- like in case it, it's not clear, they are incredibly gruesome. Like if if you get you know even a little bit queasy about like gore and blood and stuff like that, these go up to eleven and pretty much stay there. Did, did Kelly watch with you? She watched them both. She had a tough time with the first one because it was so visceral and kind of yeah. you know gory. But I think she liked the second one better because it was a bit sillier. Yeah, she's like, okay, it's a game. I I get you by now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. These are this is the movie that people are like passing out at theaters from watching, which a thousand percent of people who don't know what this movie is, like, I'll go watch a scary movie. Yeah. Oh yeah, no people. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, if you watch, like, it's gnarly, but it's not. I don't know. I didn't find it to be beyond the pale. It's just it's it, gnarly. it's gnarly it's, if you don't watch that kind of movie. It's above average gore for people like us who look for the gore sure but it's not like you know it shouldn't be banned or anything like that no no anyone talking like that needs to get a life exactly uh i love that there are people who are listening to this because they're curious to hear more about what i said about she said and they're listening to terrifier in the meantime <laughs> um but we should probably talk about she said we'll mix up the horror and the, and the award stuff for this episode um i saw she said and uh our our main concern is largely unfounded because if you guys recall, in the lead up in the months, it was initially a very highly placed contender for myself. And then after the trailer dropped and sort of in the quiet time, I moved it down a little bit more as we were. It looked fine, the trailer, but we were slightly concerned it would be a little like self-congratulatory and play the like, we solved the issue. And I'm, I'm happy to report it's not. It's very spotlight, like process driven and about getting the story out and what happened next is the off-screen text as opposed to, you know, we need to show the, you know, the Me Too movement born. It's not it's not going for the um, stonewall of it all. Right. Which can you imagine? Roland Emmerich doing, doing She Said? Uh, oh, God, I shudder at the thought. Exactly. And not the good shudder. You know, the surface. <laughs> um, so... I, I thought it was great because I'm, I, I've learned I'm a sucker for a procedural, like a real well done one. I don't know why like watching people do a job you wouldn't want to do for money is entertaining. But it is. Think about, think about how much you love like a good cop movie. Like it, Oh, totally. But like you would hate be, like being like a detective who has to do all the paperwork I mean, and like. Spoken, spoken by someone who did it for three days. I was like, I can't do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like think of how much you like watching Zodiac. Would you want to be in that sweaty San Francisco uh, detective's office? No. God, no. You don't really want to, you know, we, we do a form of journalism, but I don't necessarily want to like call people, like get them on the record about things, but watching it happen and the like grind that it is. Because that's the thing about this one. You know, in, in Spotlight, there's less like calling people and trying to get them to tell their story. It's more like searching through the records. Like the information is all there. This one, so many scenes... And they're and they're they're very they're not the same thing over and over again, but are one of the two reporters calling and talking to someone or calling them again and getting them comfortable enough to, to go on the record 
it's it's got to be grueling, you know. Um, they're both great. It doesn't. The only thing it doesn't have that I think people might want is it doesn't have the big like you know Spotlight is very low key. Yeah. Very like taking itself seriously, but still being like these are people doing a job. They're not really like paying attention to the weight of what they're doing yet. But then they have the Ruffalo freakout. There's like it's it's not a good scene if if you're just thinking about the movie but in terms of like emotion you're like yeah i needed that right i I needed to care for a minute more about that in that way and now when uh keaton says get back to work i'm ready to do more of the work like it's perfect for that this one doesn't really have that as much it's more about just the work Um, there's one sort of version of it where like they're out to with patricia clarkson at like a bar and a guy hits on one of them, and, and Carrie Mulligan eventually is just like re- yells like, repeatedly, like "fuck you" at him, like "oh, like fuck you, fuck you, fuck you" kind of thing, because it's everything is taking the toll. Sure, but it's not the same. Like you know, it's not the Oscar clip in a way. But they're great. It's not particularly showy work, which I love. Like it's very, very fitting for the material. It's 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 super compelling. Obviously upsetting because, you know, especially because you you know, basically know these things are true. And and they're only using some of the stories, but then there's hinted out of other ones, and it's just, ugh, it just ugh. you get like it, you feel dirty in in the way that's okay, not in the like oh I don't I wish I wasn't watching this, more in the like oh we, you know to some de- you know whatever degree you want to say we're we're intertwined with this monster at one point, right? You know, whether it's just watching the work or like you know if you're if you're a Quentin Tarantino or something, and you're like oh my god I. I, I spent a lot of time with this man. Like, ugh, it's it's gross um, when you hear some of the stories. But it's impeccably well made. I wonder how dry it'll be to people compared to like some of the other Oscar contenders. But I think it's I think it's it. But you know, time time will tell there. Cool. Well, I'm very excited to see it. I know. It, I think it got you back on on the wagon for that one. Yeah, well, because I was sort of very much at the forefront of like, if this is like Hollywood patting itself on the back for fixing a problem that's not fixed, then I, I can't get into that. But if it's much closer to the spotlight side of things where it's more about the procedural and it's more self-aware than that, then yeah, I'm very much into that. I don't even think they say the words me too. And I think it's the only time it's referenced is I believe the like as the movie ends, like text on screen about like how pervasive this continues to be type thing. Oh, right on. Yeah. Um, though, interestingly, the one thing I'll tell you, like not spoiler, because it's not a movie you can really spoil it, but you meet them. The two reporters, um, Jody Cantor, and Megan Twoey. Um, Jody is Zoe Kazan. Megan is Carrie Mulligan. Um, you see Carrie Mulligan. She's one of the reporters that was um, covering Trump during the elect- the run-up to the election and his harassment claims. Ugh, okay. So so that's sort of her, her introduction is, oh, no one cared. I, I reported that he was, like, abusive and no one cared. And then she gets intertwined with um, Jody Cantor, who's in the very beginnings of... I think it might be Rose McGowan at the time is the only person talking. Sure. doesn't want to be on the record. So that's like, okay, we're going to follow these leads and, and Carrie Mulligan's uh, character is better at some of the like pursuing witnesses type thing. So like they, that's how their team up happens. But I do like that it, it starts with the idea of Trump and then like, you know, oh, Bill O'Reilly went down. So like they got one. Like maybe, maybe this story could work because they keep mentioning throughout it that like he successfully killed a lot of these stories. 
Right. And like the time that like he was arrested in New York for like, I forget which actress it was. It never went, like the police never charged him, but he was, there was that first time, like, I want to say 20, 2007, 2008. Sounds about right, right? I, I, was I don't know what you're talking about. The first time Harvey Weinstein like got accused, like legally accused essentially of harassment. I think it was an Italian actress who said he raped her. Okay. And the, like the, he got like, I think he turned himself into the New York City Police Department and they ended up, they ended up not charging him with anything. So that was the first time like, oh, he beat the rap. I right. just remember that also being a weird time because there was a vague sense of like, oh, well, oh, what a shame. Like, uh, you know, I hope that like the movie producer who makes the Oscar movies I like doesn't go down as opposed to now when one, you also know he's a creep and a monster. And like, if you heard more, you're like, yep, he did it. But now when you hear about someone like that, you, your first thought obviously goes more to like, well, there's a lot of other things that he's not a good person about. Like, oh, he, yeah, this he's probably not a good person about this either. Right. You know, the, the like, you're like, oh, what a shame if the Weinstein company goes out of business was like a thought process that time. So I'm sort of glad we, we evolved beyond that. But I'm curious how this movie does, but I think it'll do well. Um, we actually had a bit of campaign news uh, in that Zoe Kazan is lead and Carrie Mulligan supporting. I had, I don't remember who I, I might've just been talking to people like in person about this, but when they reported that news, it was something I said, I suspect it was going to happen. Um, one, I think Zoe Kazan is a little more the lead. This is not because I'm a, like someone who likes her work a lot. It's just that reporter doesn't come off screen very often. And there's a little bit without Carrie Mulligan, just in terms of like the focus. Sure. And also, you know, if you want to be craven about it, if you, if you, you know, highly competitive best actress race and a best supporting actress race that seems like it has two movies in it so far, I get why they, they put the like person they can claim is overdue for a win in the category that doesn't have a front runner. Oh yeah. Well, from that perspective, they're being smart about it in the way that the Fablemans is not. Yeah, which is funny because they're the same company. They're both universal. Incredible. So it's like one. I, I there's a method somewhere to this. Unless they think, and I, I have a hunch slash a hope that they do because they explain it, that they think people are going to love Michelle Williams enough that it doesn't matter. That like that will fuel the fire, and it might, but they definitely made it harder. Yeah, a bit of an uphill battle from here. Yeah, uh, Women Talking also uh, did their campaign choice, which um, by the time you hear this, I think will be up on the site. Um, they they opted to push Rooney Myra as the sacrificial lamb in lead. Well, my understanding is that not that she's not good, but she doesn't stand out in the same way that like Claire Foy and um, Jesse Buckley do. Yes, it is just funny that the person who doesn't stand out, let's make them the lead. Well, but she also has, like, first billing as well. Like, I I think I kind of assumed it was going that way anyway. Yeah. I mean, once you see the movie, I'm curious what what you think, because it's not not very clear cut. It really is an ensemble piece, but... Sure. You know, fish got to swim, and someone's got to go supporting in this world, apparently. But those um, those were the Oscar-y things that I can talk about. Um, I am... I don't... I won't have seen it well by the time we record next week, and I don't think I can talk about what I'm seeing. But you know what I'm seeing next week. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, it kind of it, it fits for you. You get why I thought of her for a second on that track, right? Mm-hmm. All right, but I'll I'll sidetrack, which will also provide evidence, and talk about Black Adam instead. Um, it's it's fine, I guess. I don't know. Like uh, the easiest way to describe it, you can read my review. Miles will see it tomorrow, the next day, uh, Saturday. I'm prioritizing Tar like a good awards prognosticator. Wait, what's the third movie you're seeing? And I'm also seeing Ticket to Paradise because it's going to be my wife's birthday. I've got a long weekend of movies ahead of me, plus all the 31 days of Halloween stuff. Which we'll return to in a moment. Um, I also saw Ticket to Paradise reviews up on the site. It's it's fine. It's it's mom porn. It's like uh, if you want to watch rich people play rich people in a beautiful location, having vague problems while having a lot of fun, it serves its purpose. And I would imagine that's exactly what Kelly wants to watch. Yep, she's excited. Exactly. If you're excited for this movie, you will probably like it. If you're dreading it, you will probably dread it. Like, it it is very much the movie you think it is. 100% just watching Star Power. But I'm kind of here for it. We don't get a ton of those anymore. This used to be a very common movie. This is like once a month we get one of these, just pair two A-listers. Right. It almost seems novel right now. Well, and now that, like, so much of the romantic comedy genre is kind of... Like Netflix kind of is capitalizing on that at the moment. They've got like multiple franchises just of rom-com stuff because that's where the mid-budget stuff tends to go nowadays. But they're not as star-powered. Or it's good, I think. The the, like kissing booths and the never have I ever's and all that stuff. Sure. The only one that I think really stands out that I've seen is the um, Always Be My Maybe. Okay, there's that one too. All right. But Um, it's the exception that proves the rule, I think. Well, I, I I like set it up couple years ago which i think they might sequel wise at some point but you know like that movie would have made a lot of money at one point in time totally so you know hopefully this will get it back on track if it does well but yeah i also saw black adam it's it's fine slash disappointing it feels like a superhero movie from before we made them super well like i don't want to do the dc marvel comparison thing but i do think the release of iron man is a delineation mark in how superhero movies were made Sure. Independent of like franchise wise, because up until then, I mean, you had your Burton Batman stuff, you had your Donner Superman, but they're so spread out that's not like you can't say it's a good time to like superhero movies. And then aside from that, you really only had X-Men. Well, you had in the early 2000s, there was like the one, two, three punch because you got Blade, then Spider-Man, then X-Men sort of all back to back to back. And that sort of got the momentum going. And then but so when I hear people talk about like from before the MCU or from before superhero movies were good, I think like most people, my mind immediately goes to stuff like Daredevil or Ang Lee's Hulk or Elektra or things like that. The early Fantastic um, Fours, things like what's the um steel steel well that's like bottom of the belt spawn yeah um and 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 black adam feels closer to that oh that wow field. that bad i was thinking well because <laughs> i don't even think bad necessarily but all the extraneous stuff that like by now we've learned you don't want in these movies like um black adam has a like child protagonist you know to like humanize him in a way and like oh he's gonna like befriend the kid kind of thing it has a like fat sidekick all these all these things that are you sometimes they'll show up in these movies still because they're going for that kind of tone but by and large we've learned you don't need you don't need to like care about 
like some family. Like think about how much we didn't like the Russian family in Justice League. Right. Because you're just like, God, yes, we know 20 years ago, 10 years ago, you made them. Right. And you'd, they would, you'd pepper them through the movie and then they'd quip at the end because he has to save them. We don't need that. Like, it does too much of that. Um, I mean, the action's fine. Um, the Justice Society is a bizarre choice. I get that they couldn't use the Justice League. This is just like who was available and we're cool if you introduce these characters. But the Justice Society has been around, like, assuming the lore is the same, like, since World War II, right? They're, they're a long time superhero group. And yeah, yeah, they're just introduced. Like, yeah, like two of their members are quite old, even if they don't look it. And like they they have one of the characters be like the nephew or the grandson of, of one of them. Like they play up the like they've been around for a while part, but they don't explain who they are, really. Interesting. Like even the shitty Suicide Squad movie explained what the Suicide Squad was. It's just weird. Like Amanda Waller can call the Justice League or two different Suicide Squads, at least. Or the Justice Society, depending on what she's up to that day. Or her daughter and one member of the Suicide Squad. Like, she's got a lot of permutations. Uh, it depends on the job, I guess. Yeah, it's like, oh, if we really care about you and we don't want anyone to die on our team, we send the Justice League. And, like, diminishing returns from there. Pretty much. Hmm. Which That's is why the best version of that is in uh, at the end of Peacemaker, when the Justice League shows up just in time to do nothing. Yeah, um, it's very much their vibe. I I don't know. Like it's it's fine, and it and I know I know Robert is annoyed whenever I say this, but I kind of I'm like more looking forward to what comes next. Like, okay, you you did your mediocre origin story. I don't know that I want to see Black Adam two, but I'm I'm curious for how he's going to be portrayed when like he inevitably fights them, befriends Shazam, or perhaps another similar type of superhero. Once it's not on him. Right. Yeah. Well, and I I think that's what we learned um, when the first Avengers came out is that some characters do just play better in the group environment. Like, you know, Iron Man and Thor can more or less carry their own movies. But, you know, Captain America and Hulk, maybe they work better in the ensemble. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, we'll see. Maybe it's just a different creative team, but. I, I, I was never like fully bored, but I just I wanted more. But also, you know, when things blow up, they blow up real good. So that's OK. Uh, why don't you tell us your uh, week in horror films? Because that's the main catch up you did, right? Uh, yeah, I don't think I saw anything that wasn't. Yeah, no, not this past no, week. That stuff and just our, our shared conversation, which we'll we'll breeze through since we don't have Steve to bounce off of, but just do your, do your week and make that one the last one. And we'll talk about that one. Oh, sure. Uh, so I think we left off on like the 11th or 12th. Um, so we talked about the night house cabin in the woods is amazing. Of course. Uh, we just talked about Halloween ends, which I saw on the 13th. Uh, we visited the remake of the evil dead, which Kelly had never seen. Uh, it was the only evil dead movie. She hasn't seen at that point. And um, I, really like it i you know it's not the original but it's doing something different and no. i think it works on that level and uh, did you see jane levy's tweet 
Oh yeah, the, she's she, like, I found she's it on seeing TV it. And it's, I scared myself. Yeah, she's like watching it again for the first time. Well, I think that was an interesting thing because between that and Don't Breathe, she was absolutely set up to be like the next sort of horror it girl. But she's said yeah. multiple times in interviews that she doesn't actually like horror movies. <laughs> so yeah. she that whole potential trajectory was kind of dead in the water, which I think is kind of a shame because she's great in Evil Dead remake. Um, yeah, she she uh she couldn't don't breathe she's good like, yeah she, like i would have loved to see more movies of her in that register um yeah and maybe we still will at some point i know she went on to what zoe's extraordinary playlist or whatever she's doing but um followed by zoe's extraordinary christmas there you go so maybe we'll get zoe's extraordinary halloween oh one can only hope i find it unlikely um so after that i did a Quite interesting double feature, um, double features in, you know, two different days, whatever. Um, I finally caught up on my Julia Ducker now. So um, mm. I saw Raw and Titan back to back. Raw, I liked a lot. Uh, they're both really gross. She's a very gross yes. filmmaker. Like, I, she will I, not I spare I, you details. I don't remember if I saw your thoughts on Titan. So I'm interested. I remember you saw Raw. Yeah, so Raw I liked a lot. It's got really good character work. It's really well made, really well shot and directed. It's just got a good, like, internal rhythm to it and, like, emotional through line. Uh, so I was well into that. Titan, I was kind of a bit mixed on, to be honest. Um, it's It was one of the big, you know, movies of last year that I never got around to. And, yeah. you know, I'd heard everyone hyping it up from all the different festivals and, you know, all this different stuff. And I think it's really interesting and it's really different and it's doing a lot of different things. I don't know that it all comes together completely. I think sure. some of the threads are more interesting than others. And it's well, that she's sort of a serial killer for the first third of the movie. Yeah. And then that's just gets dropped and never revisited, uh, which yeah, she's of, not anymore. Yeah, she just isn't. And it's, yeah. yeah, so that and, like, the whole movie, she's pregnant with a car baby, which, frustratingly, that's the one gross thing that we never get a good look at. Yeah, um, you just know, oh, she seems to have had a car baby. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you've now seen a woman, you've now seen a, uh, a woman fuck a car, or I guess vice versa. That car impregnated her. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, the car, <laughs> the car gave as much as it got. I mean, I'm going to throw it out there. I'm willing to take this, this stance. That car initiated. It kind of did. Like, it showed up, like, like waiting, like, being like, hey, hey, baby, what's going on? Like, it's I mean, weird. Like, the car, like, almost starts it off. Yes and no. I mean, the car sort of gives the signal, but she's the one who gets in. Well, she, well, yeah, she, well, I mean, obviously on the car at the beginning, there's well, text. It, I want to say impl- subtext. It's implied that, like, after she gets the, the plate in her head or whatever, um, that like she's in the cars she's she becomes like sexually it's it's a crash situation yeah yeah she's she's a crash and uh the good crash not the crash that won best picture which is an ironic yeah, yeah, statement no. um right. so it's it's an interesting one it's it's very weird um i think there's sort of an unexpected sweetness to it uh that yeah, the devel- back half when it's well yeah. exactly in the second half that sort of there's this really interesting relationship that develops between the two main characters that like definitely does not go in any direction you would expect. Um, no, no, no. <laughs> uh, 
and not in the slightest but like it, it in like a kind of a heartfelt way in a way that's like because you expect the movie to kind of be weird and out there and like it's you know it's it's doing a lot of interesting things um but the, the to have that sort of emotional through line in the back half i don't think it's as consistent as raw which had a much clearer sort of mission statement but um it's interesting it's you know i'll definitely be interested to see what she does next for sure what was the uh what was the gross scene for you was it the nose or was it something else i'm trying to remember um that's that that's the one that i think got the audience the most because when i saw it the press screening i was at i don't think people knew it was gross going in i mean that is pretty gross i mean a lot of the stuff with her pregnancy and like the tears along her body where you can see like the metal poking out and like her trying to bind herself and just like a lot of that was very icky Sure, sure um and then, like, I don't know, like a gross thing. will, Or, like, you know, she stabs the guy in the ear and then he vomits all over her shoulder, that kind of thing. Yeah, I didn't. I, I don't like things in people's ears like that. I love a Q-tip, so I don't like things going too far. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I'll tell you what. The scene where, like, in the first third where she's still in serial killer mode and, like, she, like, kills someone in the, uh, in the house and then she has to, like, scramble around the rest of the house trying to track down all the other people and then, like, new witnesses keep showing up so she's got to figure out how to kill them. It, it, yeah. it was a fun little extended sequence. Totally. You're like, this is dark, but I'm laughing. And it's it's one of those things where it's like, if the whole movie was that, that could have been interesting. If the whole movie sure. was the more sincere relationship with the, uh, with the, I don't know what you would like the dad, the foster dad. I don't know what the relationship is there, but um, you know, the older guy who becomes a very central focus later on. Um, yeah. However you want to define him. Um, the firefighter. Um, like yeah. all the stuff with them is very interesting too, but that's kind of a different movie. And so it's sure. like if it fully committed to one or the other, I probably would have um, come away a little more fondly. I still liked it and I still think it's it's doing interesting stuff, but it may be I don't know that I loved it as much as, you know, some people do. Fair. What else? Uh, after that, uh, I did a big catch up on my film history. I finally saw uh, the original Frankenstein and the Bride of Frankenstein. And nice. Se- sequel's better, isn't it? Oh, God. It's well, here's the thing. I have a strangely tricky relationship with the universal horror movies of old because they I know you don't dig them. I don't like them. Like, uh, I it feels like the kind of thing I should like, but I I did the original Dracula, I think, for the first 31 days that I did. And I like, I don't want to go as far as to say I hated it, but I kind of hated it. (laughs) Like, I found it really boring and stilted and stagey and just. I don't know. It, it just felt like it was missing so much. Um, it was just so lacking, I think. Uh, Give Miles Dracula 2000 any day. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, my problem <laughs> is I've seen Bram Stoker's Dracula a million times and I've been spoiled by that. Um, whereas, you know, Frankenstein maybe doesn't have a good quality equivalent. Um, and then I've seen not, The Wolfman. No, not the Branagh. Although I did see that for my <laughs> first year of this as well. Um, but no, I think the original Frankenstein was actually like a really solid version. I mean, it's, it's, it's funny because you go back and you think, you know, the story you've seen young Frankenstein and all, you know, more recent stuff, but a lot of the details are kind of way different in the original movie. Um, 
you know, like it's Henry Frankenstein. There's no Igor, but there's a similar character named Fritz. Um, you know, like a lot of the structure of it is like what you think of, like a lot of the more memorable scenes or the stuff that young Frankenstein pulled from is actually in the sequel. Um, so yeah, Frankenstein was, you know, very pleasant surprise. Bride of Frankenstein though, is a fucking masterpiece. That movie is is so entertaining from start to finish. You get the, uh, sense that director James Whale portrayed memorably by Ian McKellen in Gods and Monsters. Um, Mm -hmm he was just having so much more fun with the second one. And you can feel a lot more personality coming through because a lot of the time in those movies, most of the characters will be stiff upper lip, you know, very static sort of British characters or European characters. And then there'll be one fun, like wacky character like Renfield and Dracula in Bride of Frankenstein. Everyone is the wacky character. And like, usually that would be too much on a movie, but like they balance it out and they're all wacky in different ways. It's just so much fun. Like, Oh my God. The guy who plays Dr. Pretorius like over enunciates every single word. And I love it. Um, The bride herself is great. Even if she's only in the movie for like two minutes, Um, you know, Boris Karloff's great. And like, you know, the scene with the blind hermit actually like kind of got to me in a way that I wasn't expecting. Um, And it's just so flashy and stylish and, you know, it is everything that I wanted to love about those other movies, but they weren't quite giving to me. I gotcha. Um, so that's probably been the, you know, similar. I'd say it's up there with like smile and one cut of the dead in terms of like happiest surprises so far this month. <clears throat> nice. Um, uh, just before we, um, started recording, I watched Saloon, which is a, mm-hmm. um, uh, Senegalese. They've been billing it as a Southern, Um, but it's very much, you know, it's a riff on a Western kind of thing. It's very much like African from dusk till dawn, um, where it's like, you know, gang of mercenaries on a job and then they run into some supernatural occurrences. Um, it's really good. It's really stylish. Uh, it's on shutter. It's definitely worth checking out. It's one of those ones I don't want to say too much about because it's worth being surprised by, but really well acted, really well written, stylish, you know. And and feels like it has a bit of weight towards the end. So, yeah, definitely highly recommended. And then cool, cool. there's the one that Joey told me to watch. Yeah, I was curious. So I watched VHS 94, which is our yes. discussion movie for this week. Um, Why don't you kick us off on this one since you love it so much? I mean, I wouldn't say I love it so much, but I, I found it interesting in that I think we're mostly on the same page with the first one or two VHSs, whichever one you've seen. You checked out. I've seen the first two. I think the only one, I haven't seen the one that just came out and I haven't seen viral. So I've seen three out of five. Yeah. Viral's bad. It just ran out of gas. The first one I thought was fine, like proof of concept, curious for next time. And the second one was interesting I don't know that it was better or worse. It had that that Timo segment that everyone liked that we liked a lot. Yeah. So there was at least like a higher high. Um, this one felt like a return in that it was had good segments. Like Viral had no good segments. I also was a sucker for the the very first segment in this one, which was um, what did they was it Storm Drain they called it Storm Drain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, from the director of Watcher, and and is a also I think the shortest one of the group. I want to say maybe that sounds right. Um, yeah. 
uh, I, I I love it's it's got some some nice gore. It's got a very simple premise and ends on like a kind of a nice shock moment. What'd you think of that first segment? Um, I agree. It's the best of them. Um, yeah, I like the simplicity of it. it. It does have that like dumb like, oh, we should go into this dangerous place. That'll give us a good story sort of motivation. Yeah, no, every. Um, Most of the VHS segments involve someone being like, oh, this is dumb. Let's go do it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but no, I thought it was – I think it, it's the one that felt like it committed to the 94 sort of concept the best. Um, yeah. Like the the uh, you know the old-fashioned like news reporting and stuff like that felt very area-appropriate. Um, did you did you also feel the need like I did to, to say Hail Ratma after that? No. Just the name was very pleasant to say for me for some reason. I remember – yeah, I was. God, uh, Ratma's cool. It, it, you know, yeah. it's kind of a goofy design, but they 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 play it straight enough. But it's kind of funny because you're like, oh, Ratman. There's like a Ratman. And so you're like, no, it's a rat monster. Oh, it's Ratma. Oh, and then the gnarly like vomit. Yeah, and there's a cult. whole thing that happens. Yeah, it's a lot of yeah. cult based storylines. Um, so yeah, I like that one, and I think. Timo has one in this one that's, you know, almost like a RoboCop kind of gone wrong sort of story that starts interesting but goes on for way too long. Um, I think the one in the uh, the funeral home was fine, but also kind of dragged too on. Too long. Well, it's like because that one's it, all the interesting stuff happens in the last like three minutes, but it's like 20 minutes long. And the first 17 is just a girl sitting around in a funeral home and occasionally yeah, so, the coffin moves. Um. That one is The Empty Wake. That's Simon Barrett. He he writes with uh, Adam Wingard. So like VHS veteran did your next, the guest, probably Godzilla versus Kong, right? I don't probably know if he that. did that one. Right. I know, I know, he, I know he was he, on the other ones, but. Maybe, yeah. Um, so um, the, yeah, Timo did the subject. And then the other two are, um. Well, there's the framing device, which, whatever. They're oh, yeah. Good. They're SWAT team busting the TV station or something. Yeah, they all, they all, they got to show up for where the tapes are, which I got to say quickly. I have seen VHS 99. It's fine. I, I don't think there's as many highs. Like, I really like those two segments we talked about, but it's fine. And it's very lo fi, interestingly. Right. Like, a lot of practical effects in that one, which made going to the two terrifying movies right afterwards. I've seen a lot of practical melted faces yeah in the last like week um but they got rid of the the wraparound frame device and i thought that was great but um yeah the empty wake is fine it just takes too long to get to it's kind of like very small conclusion but is is a nice change of pace right I'll, I'll say um but then yeah terror is way too long yeah it goes it goes forever <laughs> And it's like all the interesting stuff is in the first bit of it, and then it just keeps going, and it doesn't end in a in a place that's interesting enough to justify its length. Yeah, it's like it's not. I I didn't think it was a bad segment. It just it felt closer to the other movies. Yeah. That, okay. Oh, it's a vampire of sorts, but he has a blood bomb. I, there's a lot going on that for that you don't need in that one. Sure. But it's you know it's not awful. Uh, it's fine. It's like I, I was curious mainly to know. I, I just wanted to talk about Rodma, honestly, for this one. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I got that impression. I feel like I could have just watched the Rodma clip on YouTube and gotten the same experience, though. 
True, but you were watching 30 film, 31 uh, horror movies anyway. Yeah, but I had a short list of like 90. Do you know how many good horror movies I had to kick off the list? <laughs> yeah, for next year. <sighs> I don't, I, well, li- listen, listen, if I, you don't save them, you're going to wind up having a 31. Do you know how many of, fucking uh, horror movies there are on the planet, Joey? Do you know how you know infinite I mean? my resources are? I'm only That's doing true, 31 also, a year. <laughs> what What percentage of them are good? No, totally. But like. There's still enough that if I'm only doing 31 a year, I don't think. Well, because just this year alone, how many of the ones I'm watching are from this year? It's been a great year for horror. Well, we tied into a new one that's about to come out. So there you go. We created content. There you go. Um, And you can imagine what Steve had to say. Yeah, I I can't imagine he was into it. Listen, I found footage is a tough sell for me as it is. I like stuff like Troll Hunter or Cloverfield because it like – it manages to take that concept but make it feel cinematic. But like, I also wasn't sure if you were doing any found footage this year. I don't, or I, I'm doing Deadstream later. I, I've heard that's pretty good, but um, I think that might be the only one. Um, okay. It's yeah, it's just it's a subgenre that's just never really been for me. Like I like original Blair Witch. I like the other ones I mentioned, but most of the rest of it is like, you know, when it's just like people in their 20 somethings who can't act like running around in the dark with a video camera and I can barely see what's going on. And I feel like I'm going to throw up. That's not a good time for me. And that's what understandable. And that's what most of the VHS mo- uh, movies feel like to me. It's the, the, the one that Timo and Gareth Evans did in the second movie is amazing and a great short film in and of itself. But I don't think there's anything in the remainder of the three movies I've seen that comes close to that. The Ratma okay. thing is fine, but it's just that's not enough for me to have to watch the rest of the movie. It's just I don't sure. I don't like the audio jumping in and out. I don't like the camera going in and out. Like it's it's just it's an aesthetic that's never been my jam. All right. Fair enough. Um Norman, who uh, contributes to the site sometimes, asks us, what's your favorite death scene from any horror film? Oh God. <laughs> There's so many. <laughs> I figured we'd stay on the horror train for a minute. Oh, do you have one in mind? Because I had to think about it. Um, favorite. The problem with the favorite, because so like, it's not best or like most important. Because you know, like the shower scene in Psycho is probably the most important. Um, but I mean, I feel like if I had seen Terrifier as a kid, you kind of might something in there would be ingrained in you as like, oh my god, it was the most crazy thing ever. So it's probably something you see as like a kid, you know. Right. Because <clears throat> I didn't love slashers when I was younger. I, I just remember having it like, why am I watching this? Um, I mean, some of them aren't horror films. Like, you know, favorite, de- like Samuel L. Jackson getting eaten by the shark in, in Deep Blue Sea. It's not really a horror film, though. Sure. When I often think about stuff like, um, like back when I liked Game of Thrones, there's a lot of really great, really gory deaths on that show. Oh, I'll tell you uh, one that came up that... Uh, speaking of the stuff we just watched, uh, the bit at the end of the Evil Dead remake where Mia takes the chainsaw and like shoves it into the demon's mouth. That's pretty fantastic. Sure. Uh, you know what I'll say? I'll go back to my old standby, um, the merman getting Bradley Whitford in Cabin in the Woods. That's a solid one. Because it's just like, oh, you got to be kidding. Oh, I do um, like um, the one in the original Hellraiser, too, where uh, the uh-huh. dad's like Jesus wept and then gets torn apart. That's pretty great. Yeah. Um I'll also say I I do I do think a saw trap has to be in here. Just don't know yeah. what well, I know is. we did the Mount Rushmore of them, but I can't think what we put on there now. That's true. Listen to episode 
three, four, something like that. I want to say Is we did it whenever. Did it? Nah, I think we did it whenever Spiral came out. All right, listen to episode Spiral. seven. Do <laughs> something. Uh, yeah, we, we we talk about so a lot. Uh, but yeah, we definitely did a, a Mount Trap more. But yeah, there should be something from there. But good question. Good also, question. I don't know. It's I wouldn't call it a favorite, but the death scene that probably like fucked me up the most when I was watching it in theaters is uh, from Hereditary. What happens to the little girl? Sure, that's sure. pretty gnarly. I think, or surprise, like um, neck snaps sometimes are pretty like jarring. Yeah, but it has to be a well. good one. There's so many fucking like PG thirteen silent neck snaps that happen in movies that are just no. I'm talking like turn your head thing. backwards type shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't have another one off the top of my head, but those are those are some good ones. I think we still did okay with that. Um, Kayfley, an awards question and a filmaholic face off. So we'll do the awards question second. Uh, modern day horror villains who would win in a fight? Yay! All right, Pearl from Pearl or Esther from Orphan, first kill. I haven't seen either of the Orphan films, so it's tough for me to know this one. But I know the gimmick that she's like yeah. a thirty year old that looks like a child. Um, I mean, I feel like Pearl's got the height advantage, right? <laughs> totally, and and she, I, what I don't Pearl's Orphan? It, it's it, the implication is that Pearl's been killing people for decades, like half a yeah, century well, at, least at least. Animals, which I don't love. Yeah. Well, no, because be if Pearl. she's if she's on humans by the time we see her in Pearl, and then like presumably she's still killing people in between that and X, that's a totally. hefty chunk of time. So I think whichever version of Pearl, I think it goes to her. Well, I said Pearl from Pearl. So Pearl from I'm, Oh, I'm this is the Pearl version. Yeah. Even still, I would say I or I don't know. Orphan's too caught up in her issues. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Pennywise from It 2017 versus Pinhead from Hellraiser 2022. Oh, interesting. Does Is... Pinhead get to use the Cenobites? Because um, otherwise Pinhead's not necessarily like superimposing. Well, I was about to say, I... they, they both have kind of very vague supernatural powers where like they can kind of do anything. But like, yeah. they, I don't know, because you see... It's, so we're talking about the new pinhead, right? Yes. So she mostly, like, you know, she can summon the chains and do stuff with the box, but she mostly just, like, hangs around and is threatening. And it works because Jamie Clayton's so good. But, like, in terms of a fight, outside of the chains, I don't know, I have a clear sense of what she's working with. Whereas and Pennywise um, is Pennywise can immortal... Yeah, but Pennywise seems limited because, like, he's got a million opportunities to kill the kids whenever he transforms into whatever thing they're afraid of. But, like, nine out of ten of the scenes in those movies is just, like, one of the kids goes somewhere, he shows up as a creepy boogity-boo and jumps out at them, and then they just yeah, run away. Yeah, he's very bad at killing. So his his track wreck, I think he only successfully kills, like, one or two people between the two movies. So I guess Pinhead, just because Pennywise has better powers, but doesn't necessarily make good use of them. I'll accept that. I don't have a strong opinion, so I'm willing to accept your logic. Um, Next up, the Strangers Group versus the Your Next Group. Oh, the Strangers Group for sure. The Your Next Group are just like hired guns. And as soon as they take their masks off, you realize they're just dudes. The Strangers Group feels like like this is a full-time commitment. Yep. You were home. 
the you the hills have eyes family versus the wrong turn family i don't know the wrong turn ones um i mean they're, I, I know they're backwards. it's the same it's yeah. the same basic idea it's just the woods instead of like the irradiated desert yeah um i don't know i feel like the hills have eyes people have pretty gnarly stuff at least yeah. i from what i remember from seeing the remake that's what he's referencing they're referencing okay um i mean have you seen any of the wrong turn films i don't know that i can speak to them one or two because i know for a little bit they were they, some of the like direct to whatever at the time sequels were supposedly like if not amazing like pretty gnarly like whoever was directing them was doing like a pretty bang up like gore job sure which i'm gonna look that up because it might be someone who ended up doing something but uh i don't have a great memory of them i think it has to be the the hills of eyes like radiated people because also they can give you some radiation poisoning maybe yeah well and they also have like weird like custom weapons and stuff like that i feel like yeah they're 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 going to town i think joe lynch might be the name i'm thinking of oh sure 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 yeah he's done some stuff yeah because declan o'brien did three four and five there's seven of these movies jesus christ um but yeah joe lynch did two and i think they they gave like him some some solid notice for like split I think he also did maybe like a split someone in half like gore thing. I don't know. Oh, well, there you go. It's um, yeah, it has a 70 percent positive on 10 reviews. But, you know, there we go. Well, but for a movie uh, like that, that's pretty outstanding. Yeah, I'll take it. Uh, Michael Myers from the 2018 Halloween versus Harry Warden from My Bloody Valentine. Well, yeah, it better be the 2018 version because the 2022 Michael Myers gets his ass kicked by everyone he tries to fight. He's an old damaged man by then. Yeah, it's like, what is he even, why is he even alive still? Get out of here. Um, yeah, fair enough. So, but 2018, where it's like, he is also still an old man, but like is inexplicably strong still. Um, yeah, he's doing it. It's fine. It's whatever. That's what Michael is. Um, versus Harry Warden from my, I assume the remake. Uh, it wasn't classic. specified, but I'm going to go with the remake. Okay. I haven't seen the remake, but I've seen the original. Uh, and he is just a guy. So yeah, yeah. I have to go with Michael. Agreed. Michael, Michael is potentially immortal. Yeah. Or some something going on there. And finally, the one you've secretly been waiting for for like a month now. The Mother versus Gabriel. Yay. Barbarian versus Malignant. Uh, the two bonkers ones. Yeah. Um, I mean, the mother ripping the head off that guy. Like when he uh, the homeless guy is pretty gnarly. Yeah, well, the mother's just big, and she can, like, grab you and just, like, squish you like you're nothing. Like, she rips Justin Long's head clean open. Deservedly so. Yeah, spoilers. Um, Gabriel is really crafty, and he can, like, you know, he can matrix his way all through a police station. He can yeet a chair across a room. But I feel like if you get up close, the, the mother just, like... You know, he'll try and go in for a stab and the mother will just grab him and like rip his head off. And that's that. So I I lean towards the mother because I feel like she wouldn't put up with him long enough for him to do enough damage. I can get behind that. Again, I think it just depends on on where they meet and the circumstances. I think if you were writing the movie, you could write either version. Oh, totally. Very easily. Because you just lean into like, oh, okay, if if the mother is going to win. Yeah, guy getting close enough to grab. 
if uh, if Gabriel was going to win, it's like uh, Spider-Man style, like well, yeah, around. And, and... Gabriel wins through like being clever and being quick kind of thing. Or like switching back to her at a weird point to like throw off the mother. Could. That's yeah. A, I mean, that's a bold. That's, <laughs> that's a that's a risky I mean, maneuver. <laughs> I mean, toward I mean, towards the conclusion of that movie, they're doing that still like she's splitting with him at weird times and stuff like that. Yeah, but uh, not while they're fighting a giant gorilla no. woman <laughs> but like you know the 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 centerpiece scene is still her turning into gabriel oh totally and like sort of them back again like maybe maybe she has like a mothering instinct for her yeah that's how gabriel does it there's a way there's a way there's a way we can figure this out um and i have to go back to the other question the uh actual awards question you know the one that like our, our she said crowd is like wait go back to that one please um, we get it's October. Shut the fuck up about horror movies. Listen, we are we are on brand with like literally every other podcast. Um, if, listen, there. If we did a daily one, we'd have to figure out like it's October, it's Shocktober, it's all. We'd have to do all those things. So be happy we're not doing that. There you go. How I, I'm trying to. It would be. It's 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 Mocktober for mockumentary. You know, like we'd be oh. we'd be pushing it. <laughs> Listen, there's a couple of things that end in Ock that we don't want to we don't want to have be the day. No, given the choice. I mean, we, the, the review would be very interesting that time. Um, awards wise, Kayfley asks, who do you currently have for the SAG Ensemble nominations? That implies I've done the predictions yet. Yeah, but I think we're just going to um, be. <laughs> free I mean, I, I, would, I would. I, I would say a pretty safe bet would be the Fablemans in the like best picture frontrunner a uh, type slot, though acting wise deservedly so. I think Women Talking is pretty much a shoe in. Yep. Then it depends on Babylon, you know, because the big cast. Yeah. Um, and and they have you know big uh, don't look up and stuff. They've leaned back into some big casts here or there. There's always a surprisingly small one. Where you're like, wait, it's weird that they're nominating the whole cast. They're secretly just nominating like one person in the film. Well, I that could, could see tar. like Tar or the Whale, maybe. The Whale, the Whale actually might work. I mean, depends on on how they get into the performances compared to if they get into the film as well. Sure. But yeah, technically, there's there's three awards worthy performances in there, and uh, four main and four main characters. Banshees of Inisherin, same thing. Or no, yeah, that one, I know it's in a Sheeran because I saw an interview with Colin Farrell and that's what he called it. So glad I said it. I chose that one as the way I was going to say it. I got it right. Um, in a Sheeran. Um, yeah, that one could be that one. Get it, especially as it like moves up in the in the picture race. I think I think if I had to pick a five right now that I'm not sticking to in any notable way beyond in this moment in time. Fableman's. Banshees. Babylon, women talking, glass onion. Oh, okay. I would probably say something similar, but I might swap out Babylon for everything everywhere all at once. And maybe that's wishful thinking, but it does have a cast where everyone in that cast gets to eat. Well, that gets into the that time of year where you need you got to start getting some guild awards. Well, exactly. Like if it does show up there, that's a really good sign. Yeah. No, we'll be we'll be looking at that. Just like we're looking at PGA. Right. Especially for a film like that or something like The Whale or or maybe she said like what the things that we're not sure are in, you know, right now there's the Fablemans and like maybe Top Gun are the things we're pretty sure are in. 
everything else, you know, I would be a little surprised if Women Talking doesn't make it. I'd be a little surprised if Tar doesn't make it, but very easily could get overshadowed. It's not hard. It happens all the time. So, you know, um, we will come back to P- uh, SAG. There's just so many things in between, including the return of the Globes. Oh, yeah. I we got to factor that in to, again. Can't believe I have to do globe, globe predictions. Um, Ryan McDermott taking a break from Filmaholic Faceoffs, which is ironic because we got one from someone else this week. There you go. Um, for the podcast, if you had to choose another Best Picture nominee from the 2000s to be made into a series with the original director returning, a la, besides Gangs of New York, not, not a la, which would you most want to see? So besides Gangs of New York, the 2000s Best Picture. Winner or nominee? As a series. Or oh, I guess it would have to be nominee. It would have to be a nominee. Um, hmm. Would you like to uh, have the list? Oh, do you have a list? Because yes. <laughs> I, yeah, I can, I can bring up the nominees. That will help. From the 2000s. So in the year 2000, Gladiator, Chocolat, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Aaron Brockovich, Traffic. Um, That's I feel like did they do a series on traffic or maybe it's based on a series? I believe they did on, I did think you, I think it's based on a series and I think USA might've done a series also afterwards. Out of those that feels like the one that lends itself to a series the best, but I don't feel sure. strongly about it. Uh, next year, you got a beautiful mind, Gosford park in the bedroom. That's clearly the choice, right? Yeah. It's the, in the bedroom series, uh, fellowship of the ring and Moulin Rouge. Uh, well, they've already done the Fellowship of the Ring show. Um, and Gosford Park is just Downton Abbey. I, I would kind of be into a Gosford Park show of like every episode. It's a new murder mystery, but also they're going about their day. <laughs> so just knives out, but sooner. Uh, well, no, more like um, it's like a Downton Abbey or like, you know, a whatever. Well, like what Gosford Park is. So it, but like every week there's an unrelated mystery and it's not about a detective coming in. It's just about like the help and the rich people and whatnot, like sort of getting on with their lives. And also there's murder. So Murder, She Wrote meets Downton Abbey. Maybe. There we go. Uh, the next year, Gangs of New York, of course. Uh, Chicago, The Hours, Two Towers, The Pianist. Yeah, I mean gangs of new york yeah sure but we already we're going besides that one uh the sure. next year return of the king lost in translation master and commander mystic river sea biscuit now master, master and commander, commander right. you could do a good series of for sure i think they could Weir might be that. available i mean you wouldn't bring back the other crow probably but like you could definitely do it i mean muscle crow maybe he's available yeah but <laughs> I, I, so i just Touched up Peter Weir's uh, Wikipedia. He retired. Oh, well, there you go. He's listed as a retired film director. Did not know that. I wonder if that's official or if that's just assumption because he hasn't made a movie in years. Uh, following the way back, Weir did not work on any more projects. His year passed without an official retirement. Oh, yeah, they're, they're assuming. Um, they're using that uh, Ethan Hawke statement from a couple months ago where he's like, I think Peter Weir lost interest in movies. Sure. Um, when he wasn't given like a hard time and stuff like that. But I mean, there's a world in which he would come back. Yeah, totally. So, so far that's in the lead. If we're going to play the We Agree game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, totally. Next year, Million Dollar Baby. Hard to make a series out of that. Uh, the Aviator. Finding Neverland. Ray and Sideways. 
There's a world in which Sideways could work as a series. Yeah, it's like a 30 minute like kind of slice of yeah, life like Netflix, kind of thing. Like uh like a like a better version of the Kaminsky method or one of those things. It's just like, sure. oh, I'm watching like old people have a comedy. Or um Yeah, you could do that. What was the give me the, give me the those. Avi- I mean the aviator. I was just about to say the aviator you could do is like a like a prestige kind of show where but like, Scorsese ain't coming back. Well, it wouldn't be with Scorsese, but you. Well, can I get, think the like, question was that's what I think makes the question interesting is with the original director returning. Oh, I didn't hear that. Part. I, I okay. want to see that, but I'm playing the like, would it ever happen game? And he's not making the Aviator TV show. Oh, okay. I thought it was something more like Fargo, where it's just like it's a show that's based on a thing, but they just give it. Well, their you blessing. want. Well, uh, Ryan wants to know what we'd like to see the most, but I'm also factoring in, like I said, the viability of it. Sure. So, well, yeah, okay. we'd love to see it, but viability, uh, low. Well, no, I mean, yeah, if I'm saying I want an Aviator series, it would probably be like basically from the ground up kind of thing rather than based on yeah. the movie specifically. Yeah, no, we're still in luck with Peter Weir and Master and Commander because it is sort of like it was also based on a book, like really easy. To well, a series book. of books, too. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the next year, you want the Crash series? Which I they think did. They did a crash series, and it was bad, right? It was real bad. Yeah, it was like one of the they, last yeah. things Dennis Hopper was in. Oh, um, Brokeback Mountain the series? Uh, probably not. <laughs> no. Capote the series? Maybe. No, it's not. I don't. Th- I don't think so. I don't think there's a Night- story there, but it's it, it maybe. Yeah. <laughs> good night and good look as a mini series could work. Yeah, definitely. Just tell that story as a six episode arc. Yeah, and you know what? Outside chance of Kalini for that. Totally. Although he'd just and, be uh, remaking it at that point. Yeah, just stretching it out. But I mean, listen, they don't love his... Only I seem to like when he directs them in the big screen. But you kind of liked Tender Bar. You weren't allowed to shit on it. I didn't hate it. Exactly. Um, and Munich, which, sure, but Spielberg is not doing that. Well, yeah, it would not be a Spielberg thing. I mean, there's definitely a world where a it shot. happens. Yeah. Um, here's another one for the next year. Like, yeah, sure, uh, Scorsese doing a Departed series would be great, but just not happening. Oh, Babel. yeah. Well, Departed would be interesting, though, because it's based on a whole trilogy um, of Hong Kong films, and totally. they really only adapted the first one. So there is a story there. There is a story there. We're just never going to get Scorsese to make it. No, probably not. But he could executive no. produce or whatever. Sure. Uh, Babel? Meh. Probably not. <laughs> Letters from Iwo Jima. Yeah, we did Flags of Our Fathers. We we did that already. Yeah. Little Miss Sunshine. I don't know where else you go with that. Uh, I think um, you could do it as kind of a... Um, uh, what's the show? Like, that be, be, uh, Modern Family. You could do it as like a, that I kind guess. of sitcom. I was I was trying to figure out like Young Sheldon. Like what do you... Like they grow up eventually. Yeah, but yeah, like, sure. Yeah, just like hijinks family sitcom. I suppose. Uh, and The Queen, which I, I believe that's called The Crown. Yeah, no, that exists. Like, I think, aren't they literally doing that storyline at one point in that show? I think they're coming up to it. Yeah, so there you go. Um, interesting one. No Country for Old Men in the next year. Probably I don't know that you, I think you would. I think you would have diminishing returns eventually. One, I just don't know what the story would be at that point. True. And also the Coens, probably. No interest. Yeah. Um, atonement. No. Mm, no. <laughs> Juno in the sitcom world, maybe. Maybe, but that one's about such a specific experience. It would it would turn into like, you know, in the way sitcoms just let you age up. 
Like it would follow her into college and stuff like that eventually. Maybe. And I guess she she'd check in on the baby, which you really hope doesn't happen. Like that's a that always is a weird thing where you're like, here's here's your child that well, I, that's I made it, for is you. like is the focus on like the aftermath of the pregnancy? Is the focus on her moving on? Like or well, is if it, it just completely disconnected? The, well, is it a drama, a dramedy, or a comedy or a sitcom? Because if it's a sitcom, all the way in the other, she becomes the babysitter. Like some like awful version oh, of like, I I'm still that. here. <laughs> and like, but you know, that's what would have happened in like the 90s. It would have been like Juno, the TV show. Yeah, no, And totally. it would have been, she's she's still hanging out. We just forgot that the dad's a predator. Yeah, don't worry about you it. Know, he, he's better now. Exactly. He, he, he really, he really figured his shit out. Uh, which is funny because if you see the deleted scene, have you seen the deleted scenes in Juno? Maybe back in the day. I don't remember. There's a couple more like, it ended with a chair, like it describing where people are. And she says, you know, like a few months later, I saw Mark at like a like a bookstore or something. And he's talking to like a young girl. And she's like, he hadn't changed. Oh. So like, he's still like creepy. Well, that's um, unfortunate. Yeah. Michael Clayton. Yeah, you could do like, you know, legal yeah. situation of the week or whatever. Sure. And Tony Gilroy does TV now. Yeah. So yeah, there's a world. Uh, there will be blood. It's not happening, but sure, it'd be cool. Uh, it'd be cool, but also that's such a movie story. Like it does. Yeah. I don't know how it would lend itself to a show. Yep. The next year, Slumdog Millionaire. Like at some point, he can no longer be on the show. It just seems limited. Yeah. Unless you Benjamin make a Button. show like elaborating on his backstory or whatever, but yeah, no. then it becomes less about that. Um, yeah. Benjamin Button. You could. Maybe. You could do the adventures because yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of interesting stories in between what the movie shows us. I mean, he certainly wouldn't be using the short story. It would be whole cloth. But yeah, you could you could do it. Uh, you know, the whole Fincher aspect of it. Maybe. I mean, he does more TV than you would think for a giant A-list director. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a world. Uh, there's a world. Frost Nixon. Limited series, but. Also, yeah. it's, it works as a movie. Well, it's, it's a good night and good luck situation where you could stretch it out to a series, but you're just remaking the movie at that point. Yeah, but I, I think at least with good night and good luck, we can have like more news of the time. Oh, totally. Well, yeah, I think that one allows for more. Frost Nixon is still very much limited by its, you know, setup. Exactly. Milk. No. Mm. <laughs> just become just becomes like static prestige TV and the reader. Please, dear God, no. Oh, absolutely not. All right. All right. And the final one of the 2000s, our year of 10, The Hurt Locker. Sure, but I also feel like we'd lose interest eventually. Yeah, it could work. It could work, though. Yeah, a war series, for some reason, I feel like they don't make enough of those. And I feel like people eventually become like, all right, I get it. Like, you need, like, the big battle to end things or have a conclusion. I don't know. I don't have a a good explanation beyond, like, weird that we don't see more of those like type of shows there isn't really a lot of like tv war stuff or yeah. soldier stories uh avatar i think the budgetary <laughs> limitations would be a problem here well yeah let's let's just keep it limited to the five three-hour movies shall we wait i have to buy a 3d tv to watch the avatar on t oh god oh uh, god that's what it would be too <laughs> yep the blind side no district nine it would have to be, I don't know, because they've always talked about like coming back and doing District Ten or whatever. Yeah, but it's um, also 
you'd have to invent a lot of new story to expand it's also the first one here where you're like i I don't want the original director though yeah i mean you know bring him back to the one good thing he ever did he could direct an episode yeah he'll not the first one the pilot and that's it (laughs) no he has to do like episode four oh there you go (laughs) he's like restricted um and education maybe What's the, I don't I don't know the story, but I, I think I like mean, a, yeah. I guess it could be a show. It would just be the kind of show that I would never watch. Same. I, I think I need it as like a hundred minutes, not a thousand minutes. Yeah. Uh, Inglorious Bastards, like like sure, but also we're never getting a Tarantino TV show. I don't know about that because he's doing some Justified, and like he's yeah, supposedly but he does for not higher work. Yeah, but like he's not. Didn't he do like a CSI or something also? Sure, sure. But what I mean is he's getting ready to do his last feature, but he's never necessarily said he'd stop directing, just that he wouldn't make any more films. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if he pivoted to TV. I mean, once upon a time in Hollywood, you know, with a lot of like the um, um, what the fuck is Leo's name in that? The um, um, the movie star. Why did I want to say Ron Swanson? I know it's not. I, I keep wanting to say Cliff Booth, but I know that's Brad Pitt's character. No, that's Brad Pitt. Um, why do we not know this? I mean, you don't really care about the movie, but I love that movie. Um, Rick Dalton. Rock, Rick Dalton. Yeah, I, I knew it was a, with an R. A, a lot of the Rick Dalton stuff and like, you know, like it seemed like he was playing well, didn't he around. talk with about format. that also? Like, I don't know. I think they shot a little bit more. That wasn't the plan that like when it goes to Netflix, it's going to be like four hours long or something like that. And have all the extra stuff in it. Yeah, I think that was talked about. I don't know what's happening with that. But yeah, so I, I mean, know. I'd be down for that. I think he's been open to it. And I think there's definitely a lot of, you know, you could do the stories of what the bastards are up to in between when they start their mission and what we see in the movie. Well, he talked about that as one of his many aborted film ideas. It's like, oh, uh, like, a, what are the bastards up to? Or wasn't there one about going to be about, about like a black unit at the same time? Like a concurrent like operation? Yeah, like, I remember that. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, precious. No, thank you. No. <laughs> a serious man. No, no, that's it's not that's a serious no. Unless no. unless it's just like every episode something more horrible happens to him. Yeah, no, he'd die eventually. Um, so we have two more. One is up in the air. It's just so great as a movie. I don't know that we need a longer version. Yeah, I don't think a series adds anything to that. And I think I stumbled upon the pick. Okay. Up. No. Up as a TV show? Like a Disney Plus show? Where well, I mean, technically there already is one. They did one about the dog, but like Well, I meant like the three of them having adventures. How many adventures does that old man have in him? <laughs> on, on on Disney Plus, he will never die. Uh that <laughs> movie, no that, longer Pixar. That movie grapples with mortality a little too much to then be funneled into, you know, episode adventure of the week. Fair. I'll, I'll label that the most likely to happen. Maybe not the one we're well, most excited it, for. I mean, it has happened, but yeah. Oh, there you go. Whatever. Um, I'm on. I'm on. Uh, good night. Good luck. I like that. I. I don't. I'm into Inglorious Bastards. Sure. I'd, I'd watch either. Works for me. Um. So we're gonna we're gonna um wait to do our next uh dueling movie thing until Steve's around. So we'll just do a one-week vote instead of a two-week vote on that next one. Not a big deal. Um, and I um, – do you want to 
or should we save for next week? Keeping in mind that if we save it for next week, we're adding onto the things we have to do. Remember, Kayfley asked us to do um, like an Oscars of horror. Oh yeah, no, we should save that for next week because that's closer to Halloween. Okay, we can do that because next week will be our 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 spooktacular, I think, right? As opposed to the rest of the month. Well, I mean, yeah, it's just the one that'll air closest to Halloween, so you know. All right, cool. So yeah, you know what? We'll uh, we'll close up shop, and we'll return next week. Um, Steve will presumably be back. He uh, had some stuff come up. So um, say where you can be followed. And here's a very specific one for us. Pitch your Terrifier 3. Oh, because okay. I So earlier today, I interviewed the filmmaker. So interview coming to the site at some point. Um, and he, he said he hasn't written it yet, but he has all the ideas. Like, essentially, like at a bar, he could tell you Terrifier 3. Like he can elevator pitch you. And give you the layout. Sure. But he hasn't like written it down yet. So let's let's say he um, his fingers fall off and he can't write the movie. And he decides to just tell you like, like, pitch me your pitch me your movie. And I, I, maybe I'll direct it. You can uh, tell me your Terrifier three and uh, make sure it involves that sword. Oh, yeah. The magic sword that doesn't do or, anything or don't. Yeah. Because um, her, her dad. Did something. Did he write a comic? Or something. Yeah, the whole thing with the dad. I thought they were going to have a twist where the dad like was revealed to His be art. art, which might nope. have been interesting. But no, they're just it's just a, a thing that like didn't pan out. <laughs> no, he's got a magic sword for some reason. Yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, also, maybe art can come for you in your dreams or something. In, Only is, when convenient. And is that little girl real? <laughs> I... The mysticism stuff and the magic and the supernatural was not my favorite part of Terrifier 2. No. Uh, well, you can find me on both Twitter and Letterboxd at Miles on Film. That's M-Y-L-E-S on Film. Please check out my short films, American Exorcist and Once Upon a Dracula, speaking of spooky season. They are both on YouTube under Aftershock Pictures and Chase Capo, respectively. You can check out my writing on Awards Radar and Looper. And... Terrifier 3, I think you got to start, you know, acknowledging the fact that the final girl from the first movie with the messed up face uh, gave birth to Art's head. So I think he the head somehow like possesses the rest of her body, like maybe kind of a Gabriel and Malignant situation. Cool. And he like puppeteers her body, you know kills all the people in the psychiatric ward that would be a good setting for it actually is to do the bulk of it there and then i think you eventually you got to get it back to the point where he's in his own body but then i think outside of that you kind of strip it down and bring it back to basics i'm into it um you can follow me joey maggotson facebook twitter instagram letterboxd all that stuff awards radar facebook twitter instagram uh my terrifier three let's send him to summer camp baby okay yeah art art goes to camp crystal lake essentially okay so i think he's got to move into like other like horror tropes and genres at a certain point it's that or space oh man no movie three is way too early for space that's true so summer camp works yeah um all right cool we'll be back next week um talking more horror stuff until then um we'll see you at the movies and go to hell everyone Oh, rude. No, you can say it too.
go to hell, Jared Leto. <laughs> wow, shots fired. <laughs> I mean it, though. All right. All right. Yeah, I know you do. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and to visit awardsradar.com for the best in awards and entertainment content. <laughs>